My name is Okara and I'm just happy to be here. Welcome to this episode, Love and Time Travel. We'll begin with our first opening segment titled The Spaces Between. Um, this, I could say, will be a difficult episode, but I'll just say more accurately, it'll be a vulnerable one. Um, but you are probably used to hearing me operate in that space, so you're ready to hear me spill my guts. <laughs> um, love and time travel is the theme of this entire episode. Um, but this opening the spaces between is more about gray area. <laughs> so um, the spaces between the the not black, the not white, the not crooked, the not straight, the not up, not down. Um, the gray area in love and relationships. Um, this episode is um, featuring a question, one of the 30, I'll be completely honest, questions that I've posted on Instagram and Facebook. Um, the question was, why so distant? <laughs> Um, and this person, um, had all the reason in the world to ask why so distant. And I avoided answering for a little while, not quite knowing how to put it into words and also being fully, um, wrapped up in the reason for my distance. (laughs) Um, I, oh, long story short. I was busy falling in love in between the spaces of friendship and romance (laughs) and in that time I kind of really zeroed in as far as where my energies were so anyone who wasn't a pure platonic friend or family kind of um, slipped outside my radar and I honestly it was just wasn't sparing it wasn't sparing any of the emotional energy outside of this person and my friends and family so that is the long and short of the answer of why so distant um I have recently apologized to the person who asked this question because, in all honesty, I ought to have given her a heads up just to say, hey, (laughs) um, I'm going to fall back a little bit. Um, But it went on so long of not saying anything and it became more a situation of just the guilt of not only not saying anything, but the guilt of taking so long to address it (laughs) so that is why so distant um these little situations of gray area are something i'm pretty familiar with um just because almost nothing in life is a straight line (laughs) not even the horizon is a straight line so um (laughs) there's not much else to say about that (laughs) Um, but yes, that's it. That's how I wanted to open up this episode to address the answer to that question so that I might post this episode and have a whole complete 
answer and like, soliloquy for the person who asked it in anonymity in anonymity um so yeah we will move on to the next segment now that we've kind of set the tone welcome to the first segment of unicorn tales <laughs> um this segment is just meant to kind of be a space to speak specifically on um queer love and relationships and my experience um as a queer woman um loving women is different <laughs> loving women is different um having dated both men and women now keeping in mind that I dated women a little bit later in my life like starting I suppose maybe I was 20, 22 20, 22 21 um, keeping that in mind but just in general having dated both men and women, I find myself so much more intensely uh, drawn to, connected with, bound to um, the love and life ties with women. Um, I think part of me kind of, I've been philosophizing and I think partially it might be due to that kindred spirit sort of feeling um i have a poem uh queen's anthem that sort of highlights that recognition of a twin flame that um once the twin flames come together it burns all the brighter there's so many similarities so many um shared life experiences and shared moments before you even met each other um that kind of thing once you start to relate them uh, becomes some of the strongest glue between two women um this is, of course, just like a floating theory, theory that I have. Um, so like that bonding, once a relationship ends or progression progresses, like that is that glue, the shared experience, the kindred spirit acknowledgement and, and, you know, being kind of of the same cloth. Um, which goes into um another thing that i think about sometimes is like the closeness of women um be you friends or lovers uh, mentor mentee teacher student like closeness between women same as i imagine as closeness between men um there's something special and, and sparkling about it <laughs> um like you become close or maybe faster well given 
the um, <laughs> lesbian or women loving women trope, uh, U-Haul, um, being close very quickly. Pause. U-Haul. <laughs> Let's talk about this term really quick for anyone who isn't familiar. U-Haul is a term um, <laughs> that is used to describe uh, the progression of a relationship between two women. Legend has it (laughs) that we move pretty quickly. (laughs) Um, I think in part this is due to that bonding I'm talking about. That um, kindred spirit, that recognition of self in another. Um, I think that kind of feeds into it. It's not that we all are like looking to build a home and a picket fence and a family with every person we fall for. But things just start to happen in rapid succession. (laughs) And even if you don't get to any of those big milestones, there's still this emotional sense of, like, moving quickly. Um, so, I don't know, it's kind of, it's kind of built in, and, and I, you, I can't tell, like, whether I'm, uh, whether I'm offended or whether I agree with it. I mean, I, I agree in the sense that I think it happens. I see that it happens, but I, I don't necessarily think it's bad. I don't want anyone rushing into shared bank accounts or rushing into adopting children or having children um, in vitro or anything like that rushing but I don't see the big calamity in allowing things to progress as long you know if no one's life is being fully interrupted I don't see the problem in letting things progress at whatever speed it happens. I think it's natural for us when we super relate to someone as men loving men and women loving women tend to do, let it roll. (laughs) That's how I feel. So there's this like, that's the (laughs) U-Haul. And I think, I don't know, I think the speed comes from the closeness and I I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. Um, I actually kind of, I'm invigorated by the discovery of another person and when I'm falling for them or even when we're building just a friendship or a foundation of a friendship to become more, I think it's invigorating to feel drawn to each other. I think it's, um, uh, kind of similar to the discussion in a previous episode of, um, love and alchemy where all these moments of chemistry and bonding to one another in different ways and different moments i I love it it's the ultimate adventure discovery of self and discovery of self with another are the ultimate adventures to me um i love it i'm the kind of person who loves love (laughs) i mean it's cliche and people kind of talk down on that concept but I love love absolutely um I was even uh scrolling through the internets um someone I'm friends with on Facebook said um I am a I have filio philophobia philophobia I think it's one of those like word porn words that I'm not 100% sure is a legit thing but culturally philophobia is um the fear or aversion of falling in love um and i commented i'm pretty sure i have philophilia um i love it 
I love falling in love. I love uh, nurturing love for a friend and, and becoming um, more bonded with a friend. I love discovering new nooks and crannies of love I have for my family members as you know I get to know them more and as we all grow. I love that feeling. It's it's enriching. It's the spice of my stuff. <laughs> so I don't know, there's this there's this trope of women loving women not only not only being a different kind of loving someone and I do think it is love of a different kind between the same sex I it's it's different <laughs> oh it hits different <laughs> um but that gray area of like what's too fast and what's too slow and what's too much too soon what's too little too late like I think love and time interact with each other in a really interesting way just so much that like what even is time (laughs) what even is time I think before I met this person that became very important to me um I was getting to the feeling it was a year and some maybe almost two years since breaking up with my previous girlfriend and I was getting to the point of like yeah I'm used to being alone now like I'm comfortable with it boom boom bam making my moves no problem at home a lot not a lot of company really little to no dating at all like I can count first dates on less than four fingers (laughs) in that time and by the time I had run into this person I was bursting with just love and affection with you know nowhere to really put it there was no spaces for it at the time Um, not in that way of course, there were my very close friends and, you know, those cousins that are, like, my best friends. <laughs> so they they overlap the family and friend thing. But my closest people, you know, aside from that, there was no space to put it. No nook and cranny to pour into the way I was just bursting at the seams to do. Um, so... I had so much love, um, and so, so little time to <laughs> really sit down and ponder, like, what I was going to do about it, or how I was going to meet people, or I just didn't have the time for trying to find somewhere to put all the love, so... It just kind of went to the back burner and I was going through the motions. Things were, I want to say things were gray, (laughs) but um, maybe that's not the right word for it. I'm thinking out loud now. (laughs) Some of these thoughts I'm really just formulating as as I speak to you. Um, (laughs) But I do, for this portion, Unicorn Tales, I would like to the poem Queen's Anthem that I have written and it kind of touches on all these little moments of women loving women and those first moments of discovery and 
what it feels like to feel that twin flame kind of acknowledgement of seeing self in another, that shared experience, and how that fuels the the passion and the bond between you, um, catalyzes that, that, that chemistry, that alchemy of love and relationship building between two women. So I'm going to read Queen's Anthem for you as soon as I find it. (laughs) Catch yourself gazing at this woman's pedicured toes, cocoa-buttered knees, soft belly resting under those, just so. Now, you've organized a sort of romance Set blindly by imagined pretense, thought to yourself, if I just focus on getting ready for bed, I won't notice how my yoni tenses. Overzealous laughter at the sitcom, neither of you are watching, cause you've just glimpsed her belly ring, glittering, winking at you like the day's last sun rays that slide through the blinds like your fingers might. You sigh. A ragged, feebly disguised gasp as your daydreams darkened so reached a tentative hand toward her ass and thusly cupped. On the cusp of groundbreaking discoveries, earth-shattering in its complex beauty on your toes with anticipation. Kisses raining down gently, distracting from your own precipitation in her eyes. A sacred recognition. Twin fires slowly burning away apprehension on your skin. She plays familiar tunes, and you too find yourself fingering well-learned patterns on the curvature of her, a living cello, equipped with the skills that only you'd know. Maybe you trained for this. Countless times you poured over the rhythms, spilled sweat and tears into your own private melody just so that you could render this woman speechless, weak in the knees. She shivers and whines, squirming and writhing in time to your ministrations until its triumph and nirvana you feel until the flood of acquiescence washes through your concentration. Before you is a goddess, glowing and divine, and you think, oh, the victory was never mine. It is she, she who has won me, and I am best ba- blessed to bask in her glory. She laughs, a tinkling thing, raining down kisses on your skin as you smile, and you smile. And inexplicably begin to sing, accompanying her sacred dreams as he drifts off to sleep and that is the close of the anthem at the coronation of your queen queen's anthem For our mental mukbang today, I have a bunch of poems 
um, that all kind of fit this theme of love in moments past um, and kind of recognizing the moments that define love and there are some moments of struggle, some moments of bliss. Um, this section is kind of uh, the beginning of an ode to something that I discovered and basked in over the past year or so. And uh, these are poems that hearkened to those moments that I remember and that I cherish and that I will remember going forward um, no matter what happens. Um, so this is kind of an ode, ode to that and to those and an ode to her. Who knows if she will listen to this episode or not? I don't know. Um, but this is something that I'm sharing with you all. Um, not to burden you, but to open up and unburden myself. Um, so the first poem I have is called Lending Out Books. Um, I'm reading from one of my favorite books, which is a compilation of different poems. Um, all kinds of authors, uh, compiled by, well, selected and introduced by Garrison Kaler, um, or Kyler, who knows. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm just going to be reading a few poems from three of my favorites um, that kind of have put me in the space of all the things that I'm describing right now. Um, these, poem, these poems are like the moments between. These poems are the love in the spaces between. These poems are the love in gray areas. These poems are the gray areas that become love or don't. <laughs> um, so starting with Lending Out Books by Hal, Hal Sirowitz. You're always giving, my therapist said. You have to learn how to take. Whenever you meet a woman, the first thing you do is lend her your books. You think she'll, see, she'll have to see you again in order to return them. But what happens is she doesn't have the time to read them, and she's afraid that if she sees you again, you'll expect her to talk about them and will want to lend her even more. So she cancels the date. You end up losing a lot of books. You should borrow hers. <laughs> <laughs> so that was lending out books. This poem, it tickles me. Because <laughs> one, I relate. I currently, I think there are at least two books of mine out there floating. One of them, I know where they are, but I'm not sure if she's read it or is going to read it or <laughs> ever going to read it. I don't know. But this poem, just, I relate. I just, I, I relate. <laughs> And in, in my head, it's always been a thing like, I think it's really cute to lend someone you like a book. And then it's like sharing a piece of you the same way sharing your playlist with someone is sharing a piece of you. And then, you know, you get to talk about it and like, how did this make you feel? And what about that part? That's the vision. That's the dream. It hasn't really happened like that to date. <laughs> so lending out books is a tricky phenomenon uh, in romance. It's not the most effective thing. 
if you're the pursuer, I do think, like Hal said, it makes more sense for you to borrow their books because you know you are going to follow up (laughs) instead of you just losing books, not knowing whether or not they're actually down or not. (laughs) So I don't know. That poem tickles me. It really does. (laughs) Um, um, Next I have... um, I also have um, The Changed Man by Robert Phillips. This is just on the next page, so we'll go here. The Changed Man. If you were to hear me imitating Pavarotti in the shower every morning, you would know how much you have changed my life. If you were to see me stride across the park, waving to strangers, then you would know I'm a changed man, like Scrooge. Awakened from his bad dreams, feeling feather-light, angel-happy, laughing the father of a long line of bright laughs. It is still not too late to change my life. It is changed. Me, who felt short-changed because of you, I no longer hate my body. Because of you, I buy new clothes. Because of you, I am a warrior of joy. Because of you and me. Drop by this Saturday morning and discover me fiercely pulling weeds, gladly dedicated as a born-again gardener. Drop by on Sunday. I'll turtle wax your sky-blue sports car, no sweat. I'll greet enemies with a handshake, forgive debtors with a papal largesse. It's all because of you, because of you and me. I've become a changed man. Changed man. That one, I think we can all relate to in some moment of falling for someone and being delighted with them and noticing what that alchemy of your relationship does to your chemistry, your own personal chemistry, how you change, how you move differently, how you speak differently. (sighs) So many transformations. Uh, that really, I really should have read this one in the Love and Alchemy, or the Alchemy of Love episode, because it's really like, this is a really sweet and simple way to express the chemical changes that happen. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's that. Um, next up, I have Sonnet by C.B. Trail. This is for the afternoon we lay in the leaves after it had been winter for half a year. And I kissed you and unbuttoned your jeans and touched you and made you smile, my dear. And of all the good things that love means, one of them is to touch you there and make you smile among the leaves and feel your wetness and your sweet short hair and kiss your breasts and put my tongue into the delirium between your soft, pale thighs because the winter has been much too long. And soon it will come again when this love dies. I will hear sermons preached, and some of them be true, but I will not regret that afternoon with you. Sonnet. Oh, that one. Honestly, this poem strikes me after meeting 
almost every woman that I've ever fallen for, this poem strikes in some way. Sometimes more specific, sometimes more, or sometimes more literally, and sometimes more figuratively. This time, it was really literal. Like, honestly, it felt like winter had been half a year when I met this person, and it had been much too long since I had felt these sort of spring-like feelings. Um, And I do have many moments of just closeness and quiet intimacy, you know, a head on a lap, um, a hand rubbing a belly, uh, taking a nap on the couch, like these tiny moments that I feel give life to this poem, this sonnet, Um, it's memories that'll really always be sweet to me and dear to me no matter what happens um, in the future uh, this poem reminds me that there will always be those sweetest sweetest precious pieces of stolen time with this person and uh, it makes me feel grateful even though it feels a little bittersweet right now it makes me feel very grateful to have created those moments (laughs) Um, so anyway (laughs) um, next I have uh, let's see oh that's a long title Let me find it. At 23 weeks, she can no longer see anything south of her belly. No. No, I don't want to do that one. Just kidding. (laughs) I tricked you. What I will do is for the life of him and her. I read Whitmore. For the life of her, she couldn't decide what to wear to the party. All those clothes in the closet and not a thing to wear. Nothing to wear, nothing wearable to a party. Nothing at all in the closet for a girl to wear. For the life of him, he couldn't imagine what she was doing up there. She'd been messing around in that closet for at least an hour, trying on this, trying on that, trying on all these clothes up there, so that they were already late for the party by at least an hour. If only he wouldn't stand around in the hall, she could get herself dressed for the party. She knew she could somehow. But he made her so nervous. He was just so nervous there in the hall that she didn't think they could get to the party anyhow. He didn't want to go to the party anyhow. And he didn't want to stand and stand in the hall, but he didn't want to tell her that he didn't want to go anyhow. He just didn't want to, that's all. (laughs) For the life of him and her. This poem is such an awkward, like uncomfortable, slightly tense moment. It makes me think of those kind of oddly tense, days or or events or conversations 
that you have with someone special to you, maybe someone you're used to at this point, super comfortable with at this point, and there's these weird, unduly awkward, unduly tense moments. And it's like that odd space between what might be an argument or like what might be a confrontation and neither of you really want it to be that but there's just like this weird buzz in between you maybe it's the day you had individually and now you're coming together and not quite meshing this is like (laughs) being really close to someone but also what it looks like when there may be a conflict or maybe there has been a conflict recently and you don't you have to relearn how to be around each other in that moment um and it's difficult it's uncomfortable you don't want a confrontation you don't want an argument but you you can like smell it on the air like rain (laughs) uh yeah obviously i relate (laughs) and i'm sure you do too um that kind of calm before the storm sort of feeling it's not it's not ideal it's kind of kind of gross you know (laughs) but you know if you communicate and comprehend what's being communicated like you can work it is hard but you can work to like push through that and grow from it and allow that weird storm to be just spring rain on new flowers for the next moment (laughs) um speaking of which the next poem is after the argument stephen dunn whoever spoke first would lose something that was the stupid unspoken rule the stillness would be a clamor a capo on a nerve he'd stare out the window she'd put away dishes anything for some noise They'd sleep in different rooms. The trick was to speak as if you hadn't spoken. A comment so incidental, it wouldn't be counted as speech or to touch while passing, an accident. Clothing, billowy sleeve against rolled up cuff. They couldn't stand hating each other for more than a day. Each knew this, each knew the other's body would begin to lean The voice yearn for the familiar confluence of breath and syllable. When? Who first? It was Yalta, always, on some level, the future, the next time, this time. There was a cardinal on the bird feeder. One of them was shameless enough to say so, and the other pleased to agree. And their sex was a knot untying itself. A prolonged coming loose. After the argument. I mean, that one speaks for itself. I think it is such an eloquent and simple and concise way to paint in broad yet delicate strokes what it feels like for two people who care about each other to come back to each other after an argument to silently agree to lay down arms and rejoin there's not much i can say about it except that i (laughs) i experience this moment often in in my past few most recent interactions 
and uh, <laughs> all of this is facts, big facts, not even gonna lie, like all of it, <laughs> down to the end, and we know, we know what that's like, that last line, we know what it's like, the sex was a knot untying itself, a prolonged coming loose, felt, sis, <laughs> felt (laughs) Um, and uh wow (laughs) so i'm going to uh wrap up the mental mukbang with uh sonnet now hold on roman numerals are hard (laughs) xl3 okay so no no 50 no 503 sonnet xl 111 by edna saint vincent millet y'all can judge me on the roman numerals later okay i'm just pay attention for now (laughs) what my lips have kissed what lips my lips have kissed and where and why i have forgotten And what arms have lain under my head till morning, but the rain is full of ghosts tonight that tap and sigh upon the glass and listen for reply. And in my heart there stirs a quiet pain for unremembered lads that not again will turn to me at midnight with a cry. Thus in the winter stands a lonely tree, nor knows what birds have vanished one by one, yet knows its boughs more silent than before. I cannot say what loves have come and gone. I only know that summer sang in me a little while that sings in me no more. That one, ugh. It is a little melancholy and isn't so much about one person. This sonnet to me is an ode to all the people who have created moments of love and joy with you and remembering them and honoring them no matter the brevity no matter if you remember when you met or you remember their favorite color or that thing that they said in particular this is an ode to all the good that you found in each other and the place of light that they created. All of them, all of them, the people that you gazed at from across the room and shared a smile with, the people you shared your bed with, the people you cooked with, laughed with, cried with, all of them. That's what this sonnet is to me. So I thought I thought that's important to, uh, to put into this episode as well. Um, as an ode to not just the one person the one you think of first today but to all of them before as well so I thought I'd share that with you and now we will come to a close Clothes. Love and time travel. 
think the relativity of time and the ambiguity of love, the pervasiveness of both, prominence of both, the importance that we put on both and that we find in both love and time connect them pretty intrinsically. Um, I've poured out my guts to you, (laughs) so to speak, in today's episode um, because it is so fresh and raw to me as I record. Um, This is... (sighs) a long telling letter to her uh, who may not even listen to this episode I don't know it will be available to her but I've figured some things and have been figuring some things and you know now looking forward and knowing what must change and not knowing what that's going to look like or feel like um, I want to close with a poem that I've written recently, and also one last poem from this compilation uh, to sort of wrap it up. Um, I do like to end on a note that acknowledges optimism, that acknowledges possibility, that acknowledges the space for growth. So um, that's why I will be, and you'll see, you'll know why I ended on the the poem that I didn't write. (laughs) I Can Tell Time, an original by Okara Imani, uh, written March 14th at 1725 hours. I don't know what to tell you. Some things beg sharing, but since time is always told first, I'm sat with the phone, staring, thinking, I can tell time. Too soon. Too soon is the stab in the dark. A testy wire to cut before setting off your heart. There are things one may begin to impart. A start. A sowing of seed. Fertile soil tilled with want and need. A desire to plant something new beloved flower or maybe a weed I don't know what to tell you again and again we hold fast to what's dear that which we know to be true but what if we set it free rather than standing behind a newly closed door scent of that dear one still lingering thinking I can tell time too late too late is smoke rising from the debris Thick with regret is the scene of defeat. This is the sentence never to complete. Though the sentiment bleeds into the very earth beneath our feet. Time is but a necessary thread between us all. Some things can't be timed, so we call it falling. I can tell time. In my mind, I can rush it forward and even 
turn it back. I can tell time, but before it's past, maybe it already has. I'll tell you, I think I love you. So there's that. On the Strength of All Conviction and the Stamina of Love by Jennifer Michael Hecht. Sometimes I think we could have gone on, all of us trying forever. But they didn't fill the desert with pyramids, they just built some. Some. They're not still out there, building them now. Everyone everywhere gets up and goes home. Yet we must not diabolize time, right? We must not curse the passage of time. Well, that being said, I have shared everything I can share. with you and this person. (laughs) And I now feel confident in lifting up my head and looking forward and not cursing the passage of time. Although it seems the time slipped by me to say certain things to this person. And now the moment has passed. So, um, knowing that, I strive to be hopeful, I strive to be optimistic, and always, 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 always love. And always hope. My name is Okara, and I'm (laughs) just happy to be here. segment of I'm jazzed about I want to give a shout out to um square cat vinyl who have allowed me to come into a quiet room and record this episode um in the middle of a busy day (laughs) and I did not want to go home in between and I really wanted to get this episode out right now just to get it out of my system and so I am eternally grateful to Mike Angel um, and Patrick here at Square Cat Vinyl uh, for allowing me the space to do that I it's a random request that I made and they acquiesced for just little old me so I'm super grateful for that Um, I'm also jazzed about performing Uh, Background vocals for Clint Breeze and The Groove this Saturday, April 27th at the Jazz Kitchen. Tickets are available online. Um, You definitely want to be there to witness the arrival. Um, So these are the things I'm jazzed about right now. Thanks so much for listening.